Hi everybody, welcome back to another quick, short, snappy episode of the Keep Smiling podcast. I'm kind of enjoying integrating long-form episodes and conversations with other people, um, individual episodes, topic-focused episodes, and just so it almost provides a different catalogue of information, different digestible formats of podcast episodes. But I was inspired to kind of do a podcast conversation just regarding, you know, breaking down stigmas that eating disorders um, commonly face, you know, the associations that society often inputs. And there's one thing in particular that I feel like drives (laughs) me crazy and boils my blood So much so that I've decided to dedicate this whole episode just to this one stigma. And from the title, as you can see, is why BMI should not determine eating disorder diagnosis. Your weight, your visual body, the way that you represent yourself physically is not a determination whether you deserve treatment or not. BMI should never ever be used as the primary indicator for eating disorder diagnosis or for determining who is considered quote-unquote unwell enough to access specialist treatment. This comes from a pretty personal standpoint in the sense that with my treatment I face this issue. So I initially fell down the trap of disordered eating and somewhat of an unhealthy imbalanced relationship with food when I was relatively young. As that developed, I developed more tendencies associated to anorexia nervosa and bulimia nervosa. However, the diagnosis period and the journey it took for it to get acknowledged was pretty lengthy, but in all fairness, that was due to my own reasonings and due to me wanting to hide, wanting to keep it individual, wanting to keep it to my secrecy, And I didn't want anyone else implemented in it because fundamentally the eating disorder was about control for me. It was about regaining that sense of control, that sense of clarity. And unfortunately, something that just started gradually developing within my lifestyle became very addictive and became very um, detrimental for my well-being, for my psychological health, for my physical health, for my self-esteem, for my confidence. Um, So there was a lot of different components that meant that this situation was definitely not healthy. Despite the years of struggling with this eating disorder and despite the years of deprivation, of purging, of addictive exercise, of this really detrimental, unhealthy relationship with food, body and my overall mental health, it took until the debilitating state of me reaching a really, really unhealthy BMI for it to get acknowledged. You know, as I said prior, I kept it very secret. I kept it very hidden. That was my control. That was my coping mechanism. So initially, I didn't want it acknowledged. But when it was first diagnosed, I wasn't necessarily ridiculously skinny. I wasn't minuscule. Therefore, I didn't get the treatment or didn't get the opportunity to have this collaboration from the professional side of things to be able to implement preventative strategies, therefore allowing me not to go down this destructive cycle, which inevitably I did go down. So initially I struggled with a form of disordered eating where it was just control, where I was overly counting my calories. I was very fixated on the weight. I was fixated on the scales. I was fixated on the numeric side of things and that developed. I was still struggling with eating disorder at that time, but obviously I didn't get a diagnosis because it was secretive, because there was no immediate visible transformation. There was no 
um, immediate alteration within my physical being until I got until about the age of 15. I was in a counselling appointment for school. I had struggled with anxiety disorder and panic attacks quite frequently in high school. And from those conversations, the woman recognised my disorder tendencies and my disorder vocabulary towards my body image and my food. Therefore, she acknowledged that I had an eating disorder. It was the day after that that I had to go to the GP services and I had my diagnosis of anorexia nervosa. And you'd think that would be, you know, a pretty intense label to apply onto a young teenage girl into thinking, right, we need to get into treatment. But it was very casual. It was very relaxed. And it was more, uh, oh, I don't want to feel like I'm judgmental, but I am going to be judgmental. It was just not really prioritized because I wasn't in an excruciatingly deprivational physical state. I was still relatively healthy. My mindset wasn't, but physically I wasn't, you know, malnourished. I wasn't physically ridiculously skinny. So unfortunately, due to that circumstance and due to that perception, I was basically left to my own devices again. I had the control that I inevitably wanted to be able to go down the destructive cycle of the anorexia. And I continued plateauing down. I continued losing weight quite significantly. The momentum was only encouraged now. From having the diagnosis, I felt like I had a label applied to me. So therefore, I had almost something to prove. And unfortunately, that meant that a few months later, I was in a really, really destructive space. And then my BMI was low enough for them to acknowledge it. You know, initially going into CAMS was very, very difficult because they would only consider me worthy enough of treatment if my BMI fell under 13. So what is that message that we're trying to tell people is that you're only significant enough if your BMI is ridiculously low? You know, the the first argument is the fact that you don't have to have a decreased BMI to indicate that you have an eating disorder. Anyone from any BMI, any ethnic background, any gender, any age, any height, any weight can struggle with an eating disorder. So why are we vividly and exclusively categorizing it into this really rigid structure of BMI? It's bullshit. It is absolutely bullshit. And the reason why I feel like I got into a really ill headspace and physical space was because I didn't get acknowledged when you know, I probably should have. And instead it got acknowledged when my BMI was very, very low, when I was very, very unhealthy. And I got into a really, really ill place. And that was when it was acknowledged. And that was when the meal plans were offered. And that was when the intervention was initiated. Not a few months prior when I still was anorexic, but not anorexic enough. I wasn't anorexic enough, which is horrible to hear. So what hope are we giving to anyone? What what does that mean? What does that translate to? We're only going to give you help if you fall down a really, really ill... It it, it makes no sense. We're waiting for people to get to the worst case scenario to then consider them. That's hugely disrespectful. Although severe malnutrition and weight loss prevents itself as a symptom for some of these circumstances in terms of eating disorders... The vast majority of eating disorders aren't immediately visible. They're primarily psychological illnesses. They are psychological illnesses. You can't look at somebody and give them the diagnosis. BMI, in a mathematical statistical standpoint, is weight 
divided by height squared. So evidently, this rigid statistical algorithm should not be proving why somebody is deserving of treatment, why somebody is deserving of referral, why somebody is deserving of of receiving professional intervention, medical, psychological, to get them out of this detrimental place. And what, what is that message that we're sending to people that they're not adequate enough, that they're inadequate if they're not, you know, confiding to the individual stigma? It's just, it's, there's just so many issues. <laughs> there's so many issues. You know, this can lead to potentially dangerous delays, you know, from my personal experience. And I know many others, you know, so we're neglecting the imperative early intervention strategies we're not allowing that time to be able to focus on the issue before it becomes extremely, extremely dangerous and extremely concerning. We're waiting for it to get to that point. So it's a ticking time bomb. So the sufferers are getting triggered to go further down the pathway. And I really hope there is change. I really hope that there is a greater understanding of eating disorders as a mental complexity, as a mental disorder as a psychological disorder as a subsequent development from a trigger it needs to stop getting simplified and bmi should absolutely not determine eating disorder diagnosis i'm really sorry for this ranty talk (laughs) but i feel like it's really relevant to highlight it and pinpoint it and put it really specifically into an episode just so we can get this understanding so to recap BMI should not be the primary indicator of eating disorder diagnosis and it should not determine um, who is considered quote-unquote unwell enough to access the specialist treatment because this could um, lead to delays, it could lead to the loss of opportunity of early intervention and therefore it can almost inspire the sufferers to continue further down the destructive pathway of their eating disorder. And yes, on occasions, visual representations are, you know, evident as to somebody that's struggling with an eating disorder, but they're not always. The majority are invisible. The majority you are unable to detect via the way that you look at their body. There are so many other concerns. There are so many other multifaceted components that we need to consider, which is not just BMI. So needless to say, I'm not a huge fan of BMI. Um... And that's that.